What's up, guys? Welcome back to the New Age Outdoor Podcast. This is now episode six, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, we started this back in, what, October? Yeah. And it's already almost, we're getting to the later part of November already. So, yeah, we're just going to keep after here. I hope you guys have been enjoying all of the videos. This uh, this one's going to be a pretty special one to us. It's one of our one of our sponsors that he actually decided to sponsor us. He's been sponsoring us um, as far as making fishing rods for us, giving us, you know, really good discounts. And he's just been a huge help to us. And that is Mr. Mark Johnson of Skunk River Recon. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to let him explain kind of what he does. But I think this episode is going to be a great one. It's um, going to be huge. Yeah. He, he knows a lot about fishing. He... You know, he's been doing his custom rod building for I don't even know how long, but he's just a very knowledgeable guy, super down to earth, and yeah, he's just a, a really cool dude. So we'll get right into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey Mark, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. Pretty good. Um, so thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, we'll get started briefly, but I just want to thank you for everything that you kind of done for me and Dom and got us to this point. Um, we got a few short questions we're gonna go through, and it's it's gonna be real um, open. We just want your honest opinion because I know everybody kind of here. We we like to have a conversation, not be so structured. So. Um, Great. So Sounds like fun. The first thing is we're gonna this kind of be a little bit of introduction for you. So. How did you get into the outdoors, and whether that's hunting or fishing or anything, like what, how did you get into that? Well, I uh, am the youngest of uh, five kids, and the next sibling that's to me is 11 years older. So uh, I grew up kind of an only kid because everybody else was out of the house by the time I was old enough. So I was lucky enough to be able to spend some time with my dad when he wasn't so rushed out with life and raising kids and everything so my dad is the person that got me uh into fishing to begin with he he was a world war ii veteran so he did not hunt at all he pretty much didn't have any weapons at all after that so but he loved to fish so my first memory of fishing would have been somewhere around i think there's a picture of me that i'm about three years old and we're out on clear lake uh in here in iowa up in north central iowa there and um uh the Methodist Church had a cabin there. We rented the cabin every summer, and that's my first recollection of fishing. And I was hooked. And uh, there's a picture of me catching a white sucker, I think, or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm not very old. Now, fishing was really was really different back then in those days. I mean, we didn't have, uh, at least in this where I grew up in Northeast Iowa, where there wasn't. You know, the impoundments that we have today and it was too far to drive up to Okaboji and stuff so we had uh, a lot of county parks that they stocked with yellow belly bullheads so huh. as a kid that's what I fished for almost always you know a worm and a bobber <laughs> and uh, 
we we catch the heck out of those. And as we got older, then we were allowed to go to the river and explore that. And I'm talking, you know, 12, 13 years old. And we all started catfishing because the Cedar River ran right through Cedar Falls. So, uh, and it was pretty good catfishing. So, um, that that's fishing. From there on, it's you know, fishing was me. It was just something I did. Right. I, I would go to Canada every chance I did. I was ten years old. The first time I got to go to Canada, uh, been canoeing in the Boundary Waters several times. Just loved that area up there. Uh, anything to do with fishing, you know, I, you, you don't have to twist my arm very hard. <laughs> now, as far as hunting, I I didn't start hunting till I was about oh. 14 when i got into it and then when i turned 15 i got a black uh, labrador for my birthday and that following fall he would have been all oh, about my birthday's in that in december so he would have been about 10 months old and we shot our first pheasant when i was 15 and he retrieved it and uh that's how i started and from that moment on i was hooked with that and fishing right. pretty much took a wayside at that point that's like the coolest part about like hunting and fishing and like my opinion is because you could go out one time and be like from that point on your life if you never did again your life would never be the same like it it only takes a few minutes for it to completely change your your life and like your mindset on things oh and, and then you remember them, you know, I'm 64 right. years old, and I, I can just tell you how it felt like the first time a, a buck deer walked within six feet of me. And, uh, you know, you could you could see everything, every detail on that animal and every animal that was around it at that time. And uh, those experiences will, will never leave you. So uh, uh, did you guys uh, do any good on deer hunting this year? I uh, Yeah, so it, it's out now. I did uh, – I got a nine-point buck, and – you also go listen to the episode, and the video should actually hopefully be up tomorrow on. So November eighteenth, the video will be up on that deer. Um, the first part of it, anyway. But I've Sorry, been out. I didn't mean to ruin that. No, you're no, you're good. It it's out. No, now. the podcast is out, so everybody knows about it already. Right. Dom, on the other hand, has been slacking. I've been uh, sticking to waterfowl, Mark. <laughs> well. <laughs> it doesn't all come at once that's for sure so right i i bow hunted a couple years before i shot a deer so right i think michael's just lucky that's two for yeah. two now isn't it yeah yep, michael's I, more <laughs> of a he's more of a deer guy I'm, I, i've seemed to gravitate towards uh the ducks and the geese for some reason i'm just lucky all around i go out kill a deer and then i can go out and i shoot i shot my first drake mallard before dom did still <laughs> i shot two now before dom so yep, i'm just lucky awesome. Yep. So you kind of talked about it when you were, you were talking about like watching the animals and seeing the details. So go, can you go into like kind of what your favorite part about the outdoors in general? Like I know for me and Dom, it's a lot of getting out there and seeing the animals and the natural and just seeing the way they interact in the world. And then it kind of brings some realization into what we do every day. So what is your favorite part about enjoying the outdoors, how we do it? Well, I guess for me, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's any different whether it's a hunting or a fishing trip or adventure. It, it has to would be the, the sunrise of the morning, um, you know, being out on the water before dark and, and watching how the light changes and how different, uh, you know, you'll see some mink or you'll see some otters or uh, 
different geese will be flying real early in the morning and giving some ducks or, you know it, it's just a thing you know but you know i'm laying on a hillside in a cornfield with burlap bags over you and watching the sun come up and watching mellards you know cup their wings on top of you and and set down 10 minutes before shooting time I, the, the, those are the things that you know i remember always in that you know that's why i hunt it's you know I, i've never been one of those guys that uh uh, I don't have to hang a trophy on my wall to enjoy, you know, the moment. I mean, uh, maybe maybe yeah, a lot of times that causes me to be by myself out there because I have to see it for myself, and and uh, it takes a little bit of effort, and some people don't want to get up at 4 o'clock in right. the morning <laughs> yeah. to go see that. So, you know, I enjoy it myself. I share the pictures that I take them, and, you know, if you want to join me at that time, my my boat or my uh, hunting area has always got room for another person. So, but I do love the morning sunrise. That is, that is something, uh, something, something perfect. I think. Yeah, that's something that I've kind of learned over the the past year or two that I've started hunting is just how it's not really about you know the kill or you know bagging your animal. It's it's really more about the experience you get. And just all the lessons you learn in the outdoors and just getting with buddies and friends and family. Yep. It's more the about friend, the camaraderie. The and the adventure, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the laughter that happens on, you know, you guys now have sat in the duck blind with four other guys, and, you know, and and somebody will say something and, you know, you'll yeah, just duck flying yeah. overhead because you're all laughing to <laughs> Right. So We've had, had that happen uh, a few times where we're just yeah. having fun in the blind and, oh, there's ducks right there. Yeah. yeah. It, it's... But, it's awesome. Yeah, that's why duck hunting's a lot of fun because you know you can the camaraderie. It's a it's a lot like fishing. You know, you can talk a lot. You don't have to be, you know, deer hunting so stealthy. You know, you got to yeah. smell right. You can't move. <laughs> Everything has to be yeah. perfect. So, it, hey, it, did you shoot that buck out of that sling stand that you were using? I I did shoot mine out of a saddle this year, and we'll do some episodes too. And next time I come down, if we make our next trip to Ames, I'll bring it down and I'll show you. It's it's like. It's so simple, but it's it's so cool. I even yeah, had Dom up it, in it one day. Well, when we we were your age, we had these little ones that we could climb up in the trees with. They weren't slings like that, but they were little portable stands that uh, flipped down, and all it had on it was a little chair or a little seat that you could sit on. But if you were a tree climber, you could try and climb up pretty high, and then you didn't have to carry that fifty pound, you know, climbing deer stand all the gear you you can carry a little eight pound pack and it was perfect so i thought that i went oh that sounds that sounds like days of old there so (laughs) was it easy to shoot out of you know it uh it did take a little bit of practice at first to get used to shooting because you're like leaning and not as much standing but after i practice a little bit i feel i feel my shot is more steady on in my saddle than just standing um with the like the weight of leaning back and stuff you just like the wind doesn't i mean it affects you because it's blowing the tree around but i don't know i just feel i feel a lot more comfortable in my saddle like i'll shoot out of my saddle over a regular tree stand any day of the week (laughs) well i thought that was cool so you guys are gonna have to do a video on shooting a deer out of there or something in the future definitely so mark you do own and operate skunk river recon which in my opinion is like a very successful business for what you've done so can you kind of go into how you started um whether it was just making rods at the beginning uh for yourself and then kind of how you got into a business or kind of give us some details on that because i know a lot of people that 
um, have purchased rods or see that when I talk about the company, they kind of ask the backstory. And I mean, I know a little bit about it, but let's go into detail on that. Well, I guess maybe it was a little bit more by accident, but uh, uh, I guess back in the, like, I'm guessing like 2010 or so, somewhere in there, I was one of those addicted persons to eBay. Not that I was on there buying a lot, but it seemed like I was always on there sporting and fishing and hunting and looking at stuff. That's awesome. So I, I saw all this stuff back then that had uh, uh, people were going to these uh, uh, salvages, you know, and auctions where people had died. And, uh, but there was a lot of bamboo rods. And uh, I did a little research on some types of bamboo rods. And some people knew some quality names that they had, and they asked fair prices for those quality names. And other people didn't really know what they had so i kind of picked out uh picked and choose some rods that i liked and i you know i bought uh i bought several i mean by, by several i'm probably talking 20 and i probably still have 15 in my storage area that i haven't touched since that day so um but what i'm saying there that's just how i started i started getting these bamboo rods and uh right you know uh, names like a south bend and head in and um, a couple from Germany called uh, 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 Dar Fishing, a Dam Fishing, D A M. I just did one of those in a baitcaster, uh, and, and it, it was just for my enjoyment. I really didn't have any ideas of planning and selling. I wanted to fish them, you know. Cause right. Some some of the some of that bamboo, if it was treated right and stored right, it was still good, no matter if it was seventy five or eighty five or a hundred years old. If it, if it was taken care of and not dried out, it was still a good bamboo. So I started redoing uh, those bamboo rods for myself. And then due to uh, an accident, a car accident my wife was in, um, we had to make kind of some life-changing alterations. And, and uh, I had spent about 38 years in the automotive industry. And uh, so I retired, and I knew I had to do something in, um, at home besides just take care of her. So uh, I figured, well, uh, maybe I can do some building of some rods. So I looked into, you know, different suppliers, uh, wholesalers, and uh, stuff like that. And uh, I jumped in with both feet. You know, I, I, I took some money out of my savings account, and I... I spent it on some inventory. I bought the right kind of equipment to start with. And uh, um, I taught myself. Uh, you you go talk to a lot of guys that are, the rod building has, in the last, this 2017 is when I started the company. So uh, I, I just jumped in uh, and, and started building rods and uh, learned on the way. And uh, uh, had a lot of fun, met a lot of people, met you guys. And uh Right. Really enjoy making a rod. Actually, last year, um, and I didn't think it would be this way with COVID out there, but it was our best year yet. We were very, very busy with rods. And my wife said, you know, this was just supposed to be, you know. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how it always starts. Really, Bob, to keep you from bothering her. So. <laughs> right. And I, <laughs> and I, I see was, that too, was, like with like Dom and I with our filming. 
you know, it started out as kind of like just a little something for to keep us busy and kind of share what we're doing. And now it's kind of like, it just takes over. Like, and I don't want to say take over in a bad way, but like it becomes, becomes like, a passion. Right. Right. It becomes yeah. a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody calls up and says, Hey, I want a rod. You're going to say, no, I'm not going to build you a rod. Cause I don't want to stay that busy. You go, no, I'm going to build you a rod that you want to have and be proud of. So. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I did it. Uh, I, I will tell you, I haven't done any advertising on Facebook uh, and word of mouth, and uh, you know, which uh, that pretty much pretty much does it. And that's a huge thing that you brought up there is, especially with the advertising. In <clears throat> when you're in the growing stages of businesses and stuff, and especially where we're at with podcasting and filming, is word of mouth is huge, and everything about that goes into reputation. So I know, like when I'm out in the public these days. And I'm especially supporting or advertising for a company, whether it's a T-shirt or a hat. You really got to watch how you compose yourself because word of mouth these days is so huge, especially with phones and social media being what they are. You know, word if you have a bad reputation, it can spread so fast. And so, like that's like I've noticed, especially since I started my sponsorship with you. Like I just I kind of carry myself differently, and not that I'm carrying myself better than other people, but I I hold myself to a high standard of being a good public reputation and advertisement for the company. And I think Dom's kind of the same way. Oh, yeah. I, I believe both of you guys are that way. So, yeah, I, think... I mean, and, that, and that's what you've got to do. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, being a fisherman, you know, is one of those people that goes out, you know, if you catch a fish, great. If you don't, but always pick up litter. <laughs> right. We talked about that's, that in our last episode, yep, too. That's one thing we've actually really started to uh, kind of... And, and that's just being a fisherman. So, you know, that's and that goes along with just being a good person. And you guys both are in that category, so... We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. on the last... I mean, the last duck hunts, especially on this public spot, you know, it's somewhere we... Michael kind of discovered it, and we don't want to ruin it for, you know, ourselves in the future or even other people right. in the future. So, you know, we've been taking the time, picking up every show even going out and picking up the wads uh, that we can find. and You know, you guys could also take some of your game, and and uh, I'm sure there's needy families in your right. town just like they are in my town. So. Right, and, and we've been – and that's one thing with the podcast that we're trying to do is we're trying to shape the younger generations coming into the outdoors and teach them about conservation and how preserving the environment and the reputation of – the outdoor the outdoor community as a general because i hate to say it, like as uh, as we hunt and fish we kind of automatically just get this bad reputation from people who don't see see it for what it really is and so that's awesome that you brought that up because we kind of in our last episode we're trying to get that point across because it's like huge that we we teach the public when they see us doing things like this or they hear us talking about stuff like this that we're not out there just trying to fill limits and stuff like we're out there doing it because without it the conservation part would just not nothing would line up in the world right you know that's that's exactly right so you gotta you gotta take care of everything you gotta take care of everybody and you know uh i was thinking of this the other day about you guys and the fact that your age group there's a it seems to be a lot of guys that are 25 years and younger that are into hunting and fishing big time now. I mean, when I'm out and about, I see a lot of guys in that age group involved in the outdoors. Now, you go to the next age group that came after me, like those guys that are now 40 to 45 years old, 
I think I think I know one person that's in that age group that hunts. There's like a whole age group um, here in Iowa that's kind of stopped hunting, uh, and now it's coming back. Uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> our ground situation. You know, you guys are lucky right. that you have that you little yeah. public area right here beside you yeah. because you know all, all, all the all the private land you know you know we pretty much have lost all that habitat so i was thinking that was just terrible that you know our state does a wonderful job providing public land for hunters that they buy but the land that i hunted when i was 20 years old is totally different than the land you guys can right hunt. so yeah. and that's cool because i think a lot of things uh they just kind of get either leased up or you know becomes you know someone's private property so then like I, like you mentioned though, I think the DNR does a good job here in Iowa of keeping a majority of the lands public for people to hunt. Yeah, there's a lot more public land today than there was when I was younger, but there was a lot more private land that you you know you went up and did the old knock on the door. Hey, can I run your? Street? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. There's some guys that walk. Yeah, here. it was probably a lot easier back then to get permission. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, and the people <laughs> live there. See now, now a lot of people don't even live on the ground. So you you got to go through yeah. 15 different channels to even find out who owns the ground. So yeah. it's very, very, very tough to be, you know, unless, like you said, you got 500 acres leased out that nobody else, and you drive to that spot every weekend, and that's where right. you hunt. And that doubles back on the point of we're trying to improve the reputation of the outdoor community to the public who may not know as much because, <clears throat> like, I don't – I don't think a lot of people see how much like we actually care for the land and we try and make it better than when we left. And so getting public land or private land to hunt is even harder because there is, we do come off. If you don't know anything about the hunting community or fishing community, we come off as probably not the best reputation because you don't see the good acts of kindness. You see the bad ones. Those are the ones that get put on the news and get, You know what I'm saying? Like if you, here in Central Iowa, the new thing is going into all the state parks, like down by Sailorville, uh, and they burn all the toilets down. <laughs> really? Wow. That's yes. yeah. So that's and the then, stuff that makes it, the news. So we already start out ten steps behind. Correct. And it's usually not hunters or fishermen. They just happen to be doing this in a in a public hunting and fishing area. Yeah. So uh, it's but well, I. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to, so um, let's kind of move back to the, the rods real quick. What is, what's kind of your uh, your most memorable rod build you've ever done? Is there one that really sticks out to you as, you know, the most memorable for you? Um, I guess I'd have to be, did a couple different ones. Um, I just did a really cool fly rod for a, a gentleman that's, uh, born and raised in the United States, but his family's from Norway. So we did a Norwegian theme, did flags on it and tied the flags in it. Um, I'm really proud of all the American flag rods that I made. I think uh, Dominic's got one of those. Yep, I love Uh, that rod. Yep, I I thought those all turned out really good. Um, I did a couple, I did like a couple Hawkeye rods for some folks. I thought those were really good. And I did a commemorative rod for a young man that was a Iowa Hawkeye wrestler and he got cancer and this person, so we did a commemorative, he, I, I don't think he passed away. We did a, a rod in his name and put it on there. And he was like a four time all American wrestler for the Hawkeyes. Oh, so, wow. you know, 
those, those are rods that are special because you do a little special thing to yeah. it. But to be honest with you guys, when I, I, I don't care whether it somebody spends $125 and builds the cheapest rod that they possibly can, or they spend $400 or $500 and build the most elaborate rod they possibly can. When I send it out, if I don't hear something back from them in 10, 15 days, I call them up because I want to make sure they like yeah. it. I want to make sure that it's exactly everything that they hoped it would be. Um, because a lot of times, you know, folks just say, oh, I like green or I like yellow. Or, I want a seven foot, uh, medium heavy, fast tip spinnerbait rod. You know, you pick the colors. So, oh, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I got 250 spools of thread here. That's, that kind of narrowed down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I, I like I like I just you know um, uh, this one I have an ice rod here that I'm epoxying right now. Uh, it's his third rod that this gentleman's bought. He's got two full size now. His first ice rod, but he likes orange. So uh, I hand painted the marbling acrylic orange reel seat and then tied the guide so it looks like his big rods. And you know it's just what you like. So I'm I'm here to please. That's cool. So is there like pretty much any customization you can do on these rods, like endless opportunities? Well, you know, yes. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, what I don't what I don't do is I'm not a weaver. I don't I don't do carpet inlays. So uh, that's called nebs. I don't I don't do that. I think that's just added weight on a rod. And I think it takes away the action. And I'll be debated on that by people. So you know. That's just my opinion. I like a rod that fishes, catches fish, and looks good. So, but I don't have to hang a lot of string on it to make it look good. So, but yeah, I custom paint real seats. We've got different cork grips. We've got synthetic grips. Now there's a new carbon fiber grip out there that's become really popular. Uh, unfortunately, you add about forty bucks to your deal, but they weigh less than cork, and they're supposed to be hold up longer. So. I haven't built any yet, but I'm I'm looking at her. So I've got some uh, fiberglass fly rods coming in here over the winter time that I'm anxious to build. Uh, a lot of guys like fiberglass fly rods because it's a slower action for your fly. Uh, some of the new fly rods that blanks that are out are really good, but they're a, they're a faster action. So yeah, harder cast. Yeah. So describe kind of all the different things you can customize on rods. So obviously you can customize, you talked about like your grips and stuff, but what else are people able to come to you and ask to get put on their rod, whether it's colors, decals, anything like that? Um, I guess it, 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 it kind of depends. You can do uh, decals, uh, different thread patterns, the uh, inlays, uh, different painting on the real seats. I mean, it, uh, a lot of times when somebody tells me something, I start with an idea in my head and it kind of just goes from there. So I guess I guess our imagination is unlimited. But, you know, you've got uh, guide trains. You can spend $100, $10 a guide for the most expensive guides in the world, or you can spend $20 for a 10-pack or $2 a guide. So... Uh, it, 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 it all depends on whether you want to spend something for a brand name. Um, everybody knows Fuji Guides. Well, you know, you want to put Fuji Guides on, you're going to pay for that name. So more than happy to do with it. I don't have any on my rod. Oh, I take that back. I do have one rod that I have that on. 
and I spent $65 for 10 guides. So to yeah. me, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but uh, So uh, I use... Not any more expensive, but they're not made. They're, you know, they're made overseas, so they they cost less. So, anyway, uh, that's one option. You, you can even go down to like the hook keeps. You can have the standard hook keeps that uh, just have a little square box hook hook in, or you can have the drop shot hook keeps, like I put in you guys' rod, which yep, I right. really like. And I I, I love those keep. drop shot yeah, hook keeps. So I think. I think those are definitely the way to go for me. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, easier I, to hook I, it I, on there. I'm going I'm, I'm to put them on all my rods from now on just because I, I love them so much since I've been using them. So. And, and that's awesome. <clears throat> You're kind of touching on another thing that we wanted to touch on is there is so many different – like I know you've said it before. You don't like making two rods that are exactly the same, and that's awesome because there's so many cool things you can do, whether it's customizing the – the hook keeper or the inlays you talked about, like the Baskin inlay on mine has gotten so many positive comments and people asking where I got that done. And so, and then you talked about the different price of different things too. So you don't have to spend $500 to get into a nice custom rod. I mean, you can get into a really good custom rod for, what would you say, like 125 bucks? If you, if you go with, uh, uh, non-high modulus, you know, the new uh, T34 uh, rods are more expensive. But I am 6 graphite, you know, uh, with a little bit of customization on there. You're in that $130 to $150 range, but you still get a rod that nobody else has made to the way you want to do it. And it, it, you know, it could be anything from an ultralight 6-footer to a 8.5-foot heavy-action catfish rides so and not like that you can get them in 13 colors and you do that all at you do all those kinds of rides like i've seen everything you have from ice rods to i mean i know mine and dom's catfish rods are like super heavy duty i mean to the point of their ocean rods yeah those things are really sturdy yep yep and they should handle any big catfish you guys run into and we know there's some big catfish out there so oh yeah now i we guess should. i now we just got to get into them. I don't want people to be, I, don't know, I want them to have the right rod when they hook the right fish that they intend to do with that. So, uh, but, you know, I've caught lots of nice fish with my rods. I think the, the high modulus rods are a little bit more money. I guess if you're looking for an average price and uh, these high modulus life uh, rods have a limited lifetime warranty, um, from the manufacturer against uh, breakage during usage. Maybe slam it in a car door, don't cover that. But yeah. <laughs> I love those rods. I I personally believe my fishing improved because of the sensitivity of those rods. You were just able to feel that bass bite, that walleye bite. Uh, even the wintertime crappie bite on these ice rods, uh, I was amazed at how easy it was to feel the bite. My son-in-law... Uh, he won't fish anything but my ice rods anymore, and he's he's an avid ice fisherman. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we both plan on hitting the ice pretty hard this this winter, and I know we actually kind of touched base on that before, but I'll have to get in contact with you about getting an ice rod done for sure. Yep. So and and you know the other customization on on any rods is length and your action. So you know you can get. A uh, swim bait rod. You can get swim uh, spinner bait rod. You can get a jig rod. You, know, you want your jig rod to have a, a pretty fast tip on it, so that when you feel that pickup, uh, you can set that hook immediately. You know, crankbait rods. You don't want them to have a fast tip. You want them to have a little slower tip, so that 
when you're moving that crankbait through the water and that bass runs up and hits it, that that rod has some give, so it's able to uh, uh, give a little bit more. And then, like you guys' frog rods, you know, you want that back again to that quick action and that big backbone on there to get it out of the slot so right yeah is there a certain is there a certain type of rod that's like more tedious or a little bit harder to to put all everything together um the very last guide on the ice rod is very hard to do because you hardly have any rod left you're down to 264 of an inch of rod material and you're trying to tie a guide on that so wow (laughs) <laughs> that sounds very tedious. When you think about that, it's, so today I tied one. It took me uh, the fourth try. I finally got it tied that I liked it. I took it three off three times before that because I didn't like it. Cause it right, and that anyway. But that, uh, that's that's good no, though because it just shows how much time and work and like you put into these rods. Like if you go buy a rod in the store, you don't know if it's gonna be, it's gonna be like that's the last one of the batch that maybe just got messed up a little bit in the factory they'll never notice it whereas you custom and hand building these rods you're able to look at the details and you know each rod so if you mess up something you can notice it to get it fixed before it goes out to the customer because I, I haven't had really any problems with my rods and i know dom's the same like when we get them they're just ready to go well uh so i i've been fishing them now for five years and uh like i said i i don't fish anything else i um I've caught in Iowa now. I'm on the, the number eighth master angler fish. So, and I've caught six of those out of the same length. I caught them all off my rods in the last four years. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, I caught my biggest wiper, my biggest catfish, uh, trout, smallmouth, largemouth, and big mouth carp all the same lake, that Ada Hayden Lake that you guys have fished. Yeah. All so, you know, for what that means, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I wasn't doing it off of uh, the rods prior to that. So I really like them. I like them because I can build them to the length. You know, I like a, I like a 6'9 rod sometimes. I like a 7'2 rod sometimes. I like a 7-foot rod sometimes. People think it's funny that, you know, uh, you have to have all these rods. Well, you see these professional guys out there, you know, they have they have 50 rods in their locker and they have 12 rods set up on their deck ready to go at any time, depending on what that circumstance is going to be. So they do that for a reason. Right. There, you, there, there's so many, like, little circumstances for everything. Right. And, and, the, and, the, and one rod is so much different with a little bitty change in it than the next one. So Right. So is there like a, a, do you get that feeling like when you give someone a rod or, you know, send it to them and then they give you that feedback is, does that, uh, you know, give you a good feeling just that you created that for them? You spent that time to finish up that rod. It's the best feeling. It's, it's, it's like, uh. Uh, proud of your son because he just uh, was named the captain of the football team or something like that. It's just something that you made with your hands that somebody else appreciates. So uh, it, it means a lot to me. So so especially when they send me videos of the people unwrapping it at a birthday or a Christmas or even a, uh, a fly rod was given to the oldest son of a family of where the mom is still alive at 95 and uh, the do- the sisters all wanted to give the only brother a special gift to say how much they to thank him for all his work he does you know taking care of mom 
So they had a special commemorative Norwegian flywire made from it. So when this customer called me back with video and said how much her brother just thought it was the greatest thing and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yes, it means a great deal to me, a great deal. That's awesome. Even, even more than even more than making money. I mean, I, I like making money, but I I, uh, I like people being happy even more. That's awesome. So that's going to kind of wrap it up for us. I want to thank you for coming on and kind of talking to the viewers and listeners about uh, Skunk River. And so if you can find Skunk River Recon on Facebook, you can also DM Dom or I on any social media, and we will get you in touch with Mark if you want to get a rod or just want to even talk fishing rods and kind of get some ideas from him. So I'm going to let you go, Mark. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and taking your time. We really appreciate it. Um, and me and Dom really appreciate everything that you've done for us um, as anglers and kind of as people, too. I mean, we've learned a lot of valuable life lessons through the time that we've been working with you. So I think we both just want to kind of thank you for that. Yep. Well, We're going to try to get down and visit you sometime sometime soon, hopefully. We'll get a couple trips over there in this next summer. Yep, yep. Let's definitely this. Definitely uh, do a spring one to try to catch one of them big bass. Oh yeah, yes. definitely. That that sounds like a sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Well, Mark, we appreciate you uh, taking your time out of your day to talk to us and talk to the, the hey. listeners we have. So we hope I you have you a. Guys. We'll have to do it again. Yep, we hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Hope you, uh, all you listeners have a good Thanksgiving as well. I guess that's probably done not by now. But uh, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. Have a good Thanksgiving. See you, Mark. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, there it is. That is Mark from Skunk River Recon. If you guys want to look into getting a custom rod done from Mark and Skunk River, you guys can go click the link in the description or just go search him up on Facebook, Skunk River Recon. He uh, he does a great job with all of his rods. We have not had any problems with it. You know, he said he mentioned they have a lifetime warranty on just a manufacturer warranty, so as long as you register it, if you guys want to go check that out just go search them up on facebook you guys can also um, just message us or something if you want some more information on that so just go check them out all right i want to give another thanks to big sue screen printing we are currently working on partnering with them to get some hats out for you guys um i don't know if they're going to be out by the time you guys are hearing this but i want to thank to rob and everybody else that works down there you guys have worked really hard at getting us some some test trial hats and working on the design and the pattern, the camo, the colors, like getting everything lined up. So thank you to Big Sue Screen Printing and Rob. Uh, go to Big Sue Screen Printing and Embroidery for all of your screen printing and embroidery needs. No job is too big or small for them. They do it all. I know they've done orders for just personal people and they've done huge orders for companies and for schools. Uh, Rob works really hard and really is kind of passionate about what he does. So make sure to follow them up. And that's going to kind of do it for us today. I'll let Dom bring us out of the podcast yep so we appreciate you guys listening to yet another episode i hope you guys have been enjoying all the episodes we're gonna keep after it here we're getting into the i guess middle to later part of the fall now so getting we're almost in december this episode actually might be in december so we're getting there we're you know we still have a lot of hunting to do a lot of waterfall hunting i if i don't have a deer down at this point i still have some a deer to kill hopefully and uh eventually we'll get into ice fishing so that's going to wrap it up for this one thank you guys very much for taking time out of your day to listen to us we appreciate the listen i hope you guys have a good one peace out